0: Welcome to the Bill Podcast Christmas Special, and special is the key word today as I finally get to say thank you to a phenomenal actor, one of the finest this country has ever produced because it was his tremendous performance that got me hooked 25 years ago and made me a Bill fan in the first place. He's had a fantastic career both before and since and I can't wait to celebrate his talent with you all today. Ladies and gents worldwide, you have waited patiently. He is here at last. Raise the roof for the mighty Philip Whitchurch. Philip. Welcome to The Bill Podcast.
1: Thank you. I'm trying to work out what's on all those figures behind
0: (laughs) me. Oh yeah, we've got this Doctor Who shrine and here's The Bill shrine. Okay. Yourself included. Oh God. I don't know if you've seen this set.
1: No, no, not (laughs) at all. Oh
0: That's the Australian box set, so yeah.
1: Oh, okay. You must have been tiny when you were watching The Bill.
0: I was nine years old. And I walked into the living room, and my mum and dad were watching TV, a show I had never seen before. And it was your last episode oh. as Inspector Kato. And obviously, that entire last three or four minutes was all about you. And that was when I walked in, and I was just grabbed by this drama with the, the steady cam following you around, this brilliant performance everyone sort of treading on eggshells around this powerhouse performance. And it, it. I was like, well, why is this man leaving? What's going on? And like I said, can I watch this show? And so from the next episode onwards, we sat down as a family. And that was my journey to starting the bill.
1: Okay, You know, I can't remember that last episode at all. Oh,
0: yeah, it's called It's That The Time. And oh. um, Steve Griffiths was the scriptwriter. He'd written you... Like yeah. your last two or three main episodes dedicated yeah. to, to Kato. And it's it's brilliant because you, you've packed up all your stuff. Kato's been, uh, you know, denied <laughs> yet again the chance to progress. And what a phenomenal character because he's just like, well, Sodja then, I'm off. You know, he's got his pride.
1: Great character. I love the character.
0: I, I could still remember because I watched it again like 20 years on and I like it's quite rare, I think, to remember shot for shot a scene that you've seen as a little boy that's just hooked you. Yeah, um, yeah, but it yeah. was you, you give this amazing look up, you know, you slam the door, you drive off and it was all lodged in here, you know, 20 years on. And um, like when I started the podcast, like I wanted to write to you first, but you and Sally at the time were in America on stage in your play,
1: all Shakespeare right, yeah. his
0: wife and the dog. So yeah. I, I wondered if you wouldn't mind talking about that, because I'm guessing that was a passion project and something that it has been critically acclaimed. and
1: You know, as an actor, I've always loved Shakespeare, but I, I ha- I, at the time, I hadn't done many Shakespeare plays, and um, some of the parts I always wanted to play, I knew were going to pass me by, because either I wasn't posh enough or, <laughs> or, or you know, the right age. And so I was going to write a one-man show, for myself called shakespeare's last night but the night before he dies and in fact in in the play, one man play um he's considering suicide anyway i wrote about 20 pages of this and i gave it to my wife sally to read and i said what do you think and she went where's my part <laughs> <laughs> and i went well i didn't think you'd be interested and she said well why have you written this and i said it's because i want to be able to say a lot of the verse and language I'm never going to get the opportunity to, to do it in, 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 in the actual place. So I wanted to create a vehicle where I could just get up and perform this beautiful language. Anyway, I went back and I, I wrote a play about Anne Hathaway and Shakespeare, still set the night before he dies, but it's really about their marriage and their relationship and his work, if you like, through the marriage. And it's a kind of bittersweet journey for both of them because there there are lots of skeletons in both their cupboards. And it's about how two people, despite 30 odd years of being apart a lot of the time, still love each other. Because a lot of the the critics and critical writing about Shakespeare and Hathaway, everybody seems to think he was in London because he wasn't happily married, because she was older than him. He got married when he was 18, he had to get married because she was pregnant. And I just didn't buy any of that. I just thought, somebody who's been together for 30-odd years, has three children together, doesn't come back at the end of his life and spend his time with her. He could have quite easily stayed in London. So it's really about their marriage. And So on one level, it's about Shakespeare. But on another level, it's about a marriage. But we're going to do it next year, I hope. Oh, really? Oh, excellent. Yeah, yeah. Because of the lockdown, it's been really difficult because we were due to go on tour this autumn but then it got cancelled because of the lockdown but we've created a kind of I'm I'm hoping if we get the money from the Arts Council we're going to go we're going to film it and we're also going to do some live performances alongside another play that um, we're doing about Ben Johnson which was one of the characters which was his long time kind of nemesis but also friend so we'll do two plays together basically hopefully if we get the money.
0: (laughs) Fantastic. And what a nice thing to be able to do with your wife, your best friend, presumably. Yeah. I mean, how, how, how lovely to be able to work together as well as... Because that's quite... We'd never
1: worked, we'd never worked together before. You know, she's an actress and we'd spent, you know... Well, I've, I've known Sally on and off for 40 years, but we have been married for 30, nearly. But I, I just said, we've never worked together. It's silly. And so I just thought it'd be a nice thing to do where we could be together and work. That's how it came about as well. So good fun, yeah.
0: And you've always written, haven't you? Like yeah. while why you've been acting so like yeah. is, is has how long did it take you to actually from when you started writing it with Sally to actually getting it on somewhere, what was that process like? It, I mean the
1: actual writing they took about three months. When I sat down to actually write that, it took me about three months. But then it was another probably another six, eight months before we got it on at the uh, Edinburgh Festival, it had brilliant reviews, really good reviews, and then we went back, and then we applied to the Arts Council for a, a tour, a grant for a tour, and fortunately they gave it to us. So, but that was two years later. So, 2016, we went on the road, and in the meantime, we'd been over to America, and we'd done a workshop over there, just kind of. Window shopping, really. To see who was interested. A theatre in Santa Monica and also a theatre in San Jose said we'd love to bring you to bring you here. So we ended up doing six weeks in California wow. in 2018, which was just fantastic.
0: <sighs> I can imagine.
1: Yeah, Sal and I both. Although I've done lots of film and television, I love. I do love theatre. I love live performing. We, you know, we both do. I think lots of actors, re- lots of actors go, I much prefer TV and film. and Fair enough. But I, I you know, I think most actors go, uh, when they're doing film, they go, I wish I was doing theatre. <laughs> yeah. When they're doing theatre, they go, I wish I was doing film. <laughs> <laughs> <They> we are hopeless.
0: <laughs> Wait, I, I suppose with the lockdown, which has been so damaging to your industry, I mean, uh, I mean, I guess you were quite lucky because you had a film out this year and a telly, I'm guessing both of which you shot before. Yeah. Dad. So you've, you've had, so I mean, it it is a kind of nice synergy really with your doctor's character. He just needs to get back to work. So I'm guessing it's the same for you and so many of your peers as well now, but you, you're just all dying to get back out there and perform. Yeah.
1: I mean, dumb bits and pieces. I did a monologue over... Oh, yeah, The King's with, are, So all... <laughs> Have you seen it? Yeah,
0: it's very funny. It's very good indeed.
1: <laughs> well, we're hoping Helen, who wrote it, who's just a marvellous writer, I, I said to her, why don't you write it as a one-person show? And so, hopefully, if she does, we're also going to take that on the road as well. Because she is actually a descendant of, of John Parkinson. Wow! Because her name's Helen Parkinson, and her great 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 whatever it was uh, uncle it was John Parkinson, the apothecary of Charles the First. Oh, you've done your homework, haven't you? Oh, yeah, it's
0: it's a pleasure <laughs> looking up your
1: work, sir. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so you've been productive in the in despite the yeah, COVID. and I'm I'm
1: I'm writing something now for um, a friend of mine, which is. Comedy series, which we're hoping we're going to get interest in, but we we'll wait and see. I can't sit still, really. <laughs> you know, I, I'm, I'm an old duffer now, but i don't want to, I don't want to stop. I just want to keep going, as long as you got your health.
0: Where Where did this bug, this journey begin for you? What What triggered?
1: You know, it, it's a weird thing because everybody says you must have known when you were a kid you wanted to be an actor. And I don't think I did. I think probably subconsciously I I might have done. But it was only when I I was trying to be a teacher and I was in my early 20s. And I just remember I spent, I was doing English. I was trying to be an English teacher. And the other subject I was trying to teach was drama. And I just found myself always in the drama studio with friends and thought, I don't know why. And because even when, I was, even when I was in my teenage years in Liverpool, I remember, you know, we, everybody used to go to clubs, nightclubs and go to pub and play football, which is what I did, but I was not a great club person. Beforehand, me and a friend, we used to go to the theatre, we used to go to the Everyman in the Playhouse, see a play, and I'd go meet my other mates Later on, I wouldn't tell them. I'd, I'd be in the theatre in case they thought it was weird. <laughs> and so I think it was probably always in my head. And it was only when I was trying to be a teacher, I suddenly realised, I don't want to be a teacher. I don't want to be an actor. And so I, I, I taught for a year in Manchester. And then I just took a punt. This was probably the mid-70s. And from the very beginning, the two or three companies I worked with initially what kind of community theatre companies, theater and education companies. And they they're always saying we'll devise we'll all devise shows, write shows. And I ended up the one that was usually scripting them, devising them, wanting to write them. So that kind of went hand in hand with my acting work. For many, many years. I always considered myself just an actor who wrote the occasional thing. So I, I don't know why. I mean, I think it's an odd thing. I mean, I think your insecurities in this business manifest themselves in many ways. Mine was always to do with my writing because, you know, at school, I was always told I was thick or felt I was thick, you know. And I went to a grammar school, but they were only interested in people who were going to Oxford or Cambridge. Right. They weren't interested in people like me. <laughs> More fool them. I, also, I, came, I always come to things late and I did come to acting late. I was 20. Four twenty-five, twenty twenty-five, 25, before I started my life, professional life as an actor. Yeah.
0: Who were your sort of, when you think back, who were your heroes? Who was your inspiration? Like, you know, who did you grow up, like, like me growing up and like just falling in love with the Bill because of your performance? Yeah. Who was that for you? Was there anyone?
1: Well, in, you know, as regards to kind of American screen actors, obviously, it, you know, it was people like Marlon Brando, I suppose. And my son, who's also an actor, when he was training, you know, he went to RADA, but he was, he I mean, still' just a mad, mad Malin Brando freak because the guy had something which I don't think, you know, and I don't think it's, it, you can call it talent, but he had something you can't teach, which was to do with him and it just to do with him on screen. And the camera's a funny thing, you know, it likes some people and it doesn't like others. And I just think he knew how to manipulate it. And I just think he knew instinctively what to do in front of it. And it it captured something behind the eyes, which I don't think you can teach that. I mean, maybe you can. I, I don't know. But I always felt that, you know, um, and there was a wonderful, wonderful um, British actor in the 60s and 70s, who was in a, a trilogy called The Roads to Freedom. Michael Bryant, he was just one of these exceptional British actors who was mesmeric, really. When I spoke to him at the National, I said to him, but why don't you ever, ever go back on screen? He went, ah. He said, it never interested me. I said, but you were so brilliant. He said, yeah, he said, but the writing ceased to be any good. Which I don't think is completely fair, but I, I, under, I, I kind of understand what he meant, was in, the, in those 60s and 70s, maybe even the early 80s, a lot of writers came from theatre and people just employed them to write plays. Suddenly you had to have a TV profile to be a TV writer and that doesn't necessarily mean anything. They, so, and I think it's true now a lot with acting or anything, People want to see what you've done before they're going to take a chance. Whereas TV then I just think was it was much easier to to have stuff put on. And I think Michael Bryant, you know, like those like the Wednesday play, play for today, just wonderful writers. And Michael Bryant was of that generation. And I think he just fell out of love with television and ended up doing plays at the national. And he could play a tiny, tiny part at the national and you wouldn't be able to take your eyes off him. And he wasn't upstaging. He was just... Like, he was one of my favourite British actors. Really was.
0: How on your radar was for Bill when you went in initially to, to guest star You know, a couple of times?
1: Yeah, I, I got asked to do a guest performance um, to come in to play the bald-headed bastard from <laughs> Barton Street. <laughs> um, <laughs> But his name wasn't Cato initially, and I forgot what his name was. Uh, twist. Twist. That's <laughs> right. Yeah. And suddenly they changed it. They then they came back and said, "Will you do another couple?" So I did another couple. And then, and I can't. I think it was then that they said we having to change the name to Kato because there's somebody called somebody Twist, whatever the character's name, in real life. So they went, "We're going to change it." Next thing I knew, my agent said do you want to do a year in the bill? They're, they're interested in you coming in for a year to play Kato. And I went, not really. I'd never done a long-term thing. And my agent at the time, lovely woman, said, look, Phil, you just, Sally's expecting a baby. If you say yeah, you don't have to worry about money for a year. You can be home in London with Sally and the baby, blah, blah, blah. And I went, yeah, that makes sense, really. Maybe I'll... Maybe I will. So I just said, yeah, I'll do a year. And funnily enough, Matt's 28 now. Uh, the weekend that Matt was born on the Saturday, I started work on the bill on the Monday. Wow. That's why I always know, because Matt was born on the 21st of November. So I started on the bill on the 23rd of November, 1992. I and love I know it. that because it, it was two days after Matt was born. Oh, wow. How special. Yeah. So I did, a, I did a year on and off. I wasn't used that much the first year, which was brilliant because I got to do Sharp. For me, the first bit of Sharp. I also wrote a play for Nottingham Playhouse. So I had a great year because it was, I had regular money. I went away to the Ukraine and filmed in the Ukraine for six weeks. Came back, had a play on. So I had a really good time. And then they said, do you want to do another year? And I went, uh, yeah okay and I got a lot busier the second year and then I I just I always said I'd just do two years and I know lots of actors say that and a lot of actors stay on because they get used to the money they get they enjoy it don't get me wrong they enjoy it but I kind of made a promise to myself I was going to do two years I said no I'm going to leave and I didn't have a job to go to and the producer, oh, I can't remember his name. now. He got Michael from... Uh, Chapman. Chapman. He got really angry with me. And really snotty with me. And I went, look, I haven't got a job to go to. I mean, I, could, I know I could quite happily stay here. And it's, not, it's lovely that you've offered me another year. But I really, I'm going to be unemployed to see what happens. And actually, usually when somebody leaves the bill... You have a kind of three-month, four-month period where they gradually disappear. The character, you know? yeah, yeah, I was written out in about two weeks after that. <laughs> but it's great, though, isn't it? Because that,
0: that same writer, Steve Griffiths, he gave you this amazing episode where Steve's I mean, a great writer. Oh, He's a terrific writer, Steve, and he nailed Cato. He just got it. I suppose by then, like you're well established in the series, but um, you, you, you threatened to. Bounce a, a snotty inspector around the car park if he ever plays a trick at Sun Hill again. He he's trying to uh, he's trying to <laughs> complain about Dave Quinn and it's brilliantly performed by you because Peter Ellis basically tells you it would be in your interest to go and apologise to this young upstart, and you just you almost turn without me. It, this is like Cato's reaction. You just turn almost like rotate <laughs> on the floor because it's like. What's his idea of apologising going to be like? (laughs) You wouldn't know what an apology was. (laughs) No, it's literally like does not compute. I'm going to turn around. And then you just think, what's going to happen? And it's a brilliant shot. The camera follows you all the way down the corridor, all the way to the door. We see the guy and you turn around and you think it's going to go one way. And of course, you sit down and deliver it. It's a stunning bit of writing, great bit of acting. Yeah, great writer, Steve. Well, let's not forget when you joined, 17 and a half million people were watching this show. So it was it was a massive, wow. yeah. massive show. I mean, did it yeah. did it change for you from a sort of public perception point of view? Presumably you started to get recognised.
1: Yeah, I'd done this comedy series in the 80s called The Brothers McGregor and um, for Granada. And that was the first time, I suppose, you started getting Nobody knew your name, but they they call you by your character's name. <laughs> and uh, and I suppose, yeah, that, that happened again with the bill. I, I was never always comfortable with it, though, I have to say, because years ago, I remember Terrence Stamp talking about acting and saying that it was all about the moment, about filming, and he never watched his work. And I used to think, yeah, you liar. I bet you do. I bet you watch <laughs> a film. You know, sneak, sneakily watch it. But as I've got older i felt more and more like that. I have left little, I'm curious sometimes if it's something really different from what I usually get. Once it's done, I'm, if I feel good about it, that I'm happy. You know, I don't always feel good about it. But, <laughs> but you know what I mean? I kind of feel like I've, I've, that's what I've done. I suppose it's a bit like performing as an actor on stage. You do your performance and you go, that went well or that. That I could have done that better or whatever. So I suppose going back to what you were saying about being stopped in the street, it's not much these days because you know, I don't have the same kind of TV profile anymore. But it's always nice because most people are really nice. 98% of the time, people are really, really nice. So I don't have any issue with it. And I've got a couple of friends who are very close to, who are one who's in Downton Abbey. She gets spotted all the time. And It's brilliant. It's good. And, you know, she loves it. And I think, great. And I love being with her when it happens because it makes her happy and makes people happy. Yeah. So I, I don't have an issue about it. It just never really made me very comfortable. So I always felt a bit of a bit of a charlatan.
0: Oh. Well, no, you're, you're, you're so, so good of a bill. I mean, I, I admire the, the bravery in your performance of being so still. Because that's quite. I think, as someone who admires actors and the different styles, I imagine that'd be really Because you're you're you are so still, and you you hold your gaze like you yeah. can be. You can be intimidating. What while, while not moving, that's quite tough. I think to do so respect because you 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 can. Cato can have people in his office. You don't even move.
1: Yeah. And you, I think you can, I grew. I. Grew grew up with, around a lot of hard cases right. who, would you, who would scare you shitless by doing nothing. And I, <laughs> and I think I probably <laughs> remembered that as a lesson. <laughs> you know, I just might even just go, all right. And you go, hello. Oh, <laughs> you know, what's coming now? Or just people who just give you those dead looks. Yeah, yeah. And you, you think they're doing nothing, but it's all going on.
0: That that's what I loved about him because when he had moments, we I thought he did genuinely care about the offers. He just had such high standards. But there's one where it's an it's another Steve episode where you actually Kato asks someone how they are. It's, it's Andy Paul in the scene with you, and he does almost a double take, going, "Sorry, sir, how did he get? <laughs> how did he get on at the hospital? Fine, thank you, sir. Good, you'll be all right." And it's and it's so alien to them. But when when he had someone's back, he had. So I thought he was a brilliant character. I don't know how how did did you feel about him? Did did you like him? Yeah, I did. I I,
1: you know, playing bastards is great fun. (laughs) Actually, I do I do enjoy it. I I just remember uh, one of the writers, a guy called Ron Rose, who used to write write a lot for the Bill at the time. He was just. Because I knew Ron, he was just delighted because he, he kind of he knew what, what Kate, the potential of Cato, I, I suppose. I suppose sometimes when you get a character, you go, Oh, I can have such fun with this. Such fun with being a bastard, you know. Uh, and those people who have exacting standards, you know, they expect it from everyone else and they really don't take prisoners. You know, I I just I love the idea of a, a character like that because there wasn't anybody, re- you know, there were edgy characters, but there wasn't anybody like that really at the time in the bill. So for me, it was it was a gift, really. Yeah.
0: Oh yeah, he knows it. That's a, I like him. He works for me because he is a really good copper. He might yeah. be a bit old school in his opinions, but he's he's right. Look, like, when he when he's right, he's he's right, and and to me, he's the kind of copy you'd want investigating your case, because you know he would be thorough. He was leave no stone unturned, and he'd want the bastards locked up.
1: Yeah.
0: it It's quite an interesting time for the Bill, a time of change, really, when you joined, because a lot of the characters who'd been there from the beginning had moved on, and so you yeah. had the likes of you and Jay Griffiths who were coming in, these these tougher characters.
1: Yeah, um, Jay was great. She was great.
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, who, who were your main pals like when you think back to that time uh,
1: Simon Rouse I still in touch with Simon you know it was funny because Simon said to me we, what he joined he, I think he joined about a year before me and, and I said I'm only going to do two years and he went yeah that's all I'm going to do <laughs> 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 and I love Simon and he, he doesn't live that far from me now and we still we haven't seen each other a lot but you know because Obviously, the bill doesn't exist, but he, you know, he keeps busy and he does lots of theatre. We all send each other Christmas cards. And probably, out of all of them, probably Simon is the one I've kept in touch with. There was nobody I really disliked on, people who got on my nerves, but there were people, there was nobody I disliked. It was a really good acting bunch. Really good bunch of actors and, a, you know, good team of writers. I, I was happy the time I was there, but I knew... I just knew after two years I, I wanted to do something else. In retrospect, it was probably a terrible choice because you know you used to think I don't want to get typecast. I don't want to get stuck in a you know that's the guy who was in the bill. Uh, you know although I'd done a lot before, I really didn't want to get. Now of course, if you've been in a soap, it doesn't wreck your career at all. If anything, it enhances your career. But at the time, even in the, the, the early nineties, it was still a little bit tricky. If you went, if you were long-term in a soap whether that would kind of put the nail in your acting coffin once you left. It doesn't happen like that now, thankfully.
0: At least, I mean, because you had, um, it was transmitted before, maybe you'd already left, but you, you had the Vicar and Dibli Reg Dwight. I mean, you can't get any, much further from Cato than Reg Dwight, can you? So, <laughs> um, <laughs> you know. 1994, like you've got Reg Swite, you've got Captain Frederickson, you've got Philip Cato. I mean, what a, what a, what a yeah. triumvirate of three different yeah. characters, you know.
1: Yeah. I, you know, I have no complaints. I'm, you know, everybody has purple patches in their career. And, um, yeah, when they come along, you just embrace them and enjoy them for what they are.
0: Describe a day in the life of making the bill from your perspective
1: you'd get up you 'd go to work you 'd get to Wimbledon or um, what's his name Park, wherever it was Old Deer Park Road where they filmed and it was a it felt a bit like going to the office. that was another reason why eventually I thought oh, do you know what i don't want to keep doing this because you you'd turn up you'd you, you go into your dressing room into make. Usual stuff, you know, you'd look through your lines in the green room. And it was very much a treadmill. You could be doing three, four, five episodes a week, usually. I, I think I only ever did three episodes. And people used to say, how do you keep on top of them all the stories? And I was just think, well, it's like if you're a policeman, you're not just dealing with one thing. And that was, I think, the trick of, of I always felt of filming in the bill, One of the directors, a lovely guy, used to say to me, there's always more than one thing going on. Because it would be. You wouldn't just be having one issue to deal with, which is the one that they decide to shoot on screen. There's always be four other things going on. Or you had to have a a sense of the other things going on. So the life was busy. And that's what I always tried to do with the episodes, really, was go... There's that story. There's that story. There's that story. I'm trying to keep them all in my head, and I found it easy to do that. Really, so they just became one big story about Kato's day or Kato's time at the police station. But um, I, but it was. I tell you one. They used to they used to shoot on VHS. I remember one one morning, we shot about three or four scenes. We had lunch, and we came back in the afternoon. And then somebody came from the office and said, who thought on the camera? Um, we're gonna have to reshoot those scenes. Nobody could remember the lines. <laughs> <laughs> we'd, we'd wipe them because you knew you had, three, you had three more scenes to do that afternoon. So although you knew them in the moment, you would you'd kind of go, okay, that, they're done, in the bin, move on. And then we'd go, what happened? And then somebody come in the next week, and, or like a guest would come in the next week and said, what were you shooting last week? And I'd go, I have no idea. It was the bill. I, I don't know what I was shooting. <laughs> well, I was running down the street doing something, but I couldn't tell you what the episode was about. And I think that's true probably of most actors in long running dramas, really. You just turn up, You hopefully you know your lines, you do it and you move on. I, it was the same when I was doing uh, My Hero, you know, the comedy series, and we do an episode a week and somebody come in the second week and say, what was the episode about last week? I go, what a clue. <laughs> that might say something about me. that <laughs> <laughs> they they got you. It was good
0: because for the inspector role, you actually got stuck in, you know, Cato would lead raids and like you had a van crash. I don't know if you blocked a guy in from escaping with a van. So they they gave you the opportunities to get stuck in, which was yeah. enjoyable yeah, for I, I
1: didn't want to be stuck behind a desk. I said, please let me, let him be a bit more hands-on. But I think most, you know, you don't want to be stuck in the studio all day. You really don't. But, but in the end, it's just about the scenes and you know if they're good scenes, it's just great fun.
0: Because there's one episode, we only see you twice. The first time, Lynn Miller's been assaulted, and we're seeing Kate who said, I want you to, to tell Kathy she has my every support. This guy he was a real real scumbag, was he? Yeah, we does he had it he had it coming, that's fine. <laughs> then we find out that he's a businessman with no criminal record and he's a rugby player as well. And then <laughs> then we return to Kate with saying why on earth did she assault this man? <laughs> you know, it does complete U-turns. Like, look, I want her to know he's got more support, but we really need to be careful. And, uh, it's
1: good. Good I'm glad I can't remember any of these. I, I just I remember I remember I remember actually I remember one moment one moment where he goes to a cash point and somebody snatches his cash <laughs> card off him. <laughs> I remember that one. Isn't that funny? What you I remember chasing somebody down an alleyway and. The, 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 it was great because the cameramen were brilliant and they didn't have steady cam. It was, it was just all handheld, And these guys would be, they were covered in bruises and cuts. I mean, you know, we were all running, but we were on camera. We were fine. <laughs> the guys who were shooting it, they were full of and cuts and grazers and running through fences and jumping over walls and, you know, chasing after cars with a camera. Like, hats off to them.
0: It was brilliant. You know, the show's been off 10 years now.
1: Is it? Um, yeah. Ten years. 10 years. I mean, wow.
0: you, you quite recently did Still Open All Hours, you know, a wonderful sitcom <laughs> David Jason. So, like, if a show like that can come back, do you think a show like The Bill could and, or should come back?
1: Yeah. I mean, for there was a while when it was still on. And I heard murmurings about bringing Cato back, and I thought I wouldn't mind coming back and and guesting in it, you know. But it never happened, and I'm mm-hmm. too old now. I mean, you, you it'd have to be it'd have to be Inspector Cato in a care home, <laughs> oh, <no>. <laughs> <laughs> or, or on an allotment, <laughs> 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 or it'd be a it'd be a security guard no, somewhere, yeah. <laughs>
0: Doing a better job than anyone's ever done it. The most yeah. thorough security guard. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah.
0: Well, I've read a lovely. It's actually in miss. I don't if you've got any memories of this. You are on the front cover of an annual. Oh yeah, I've seen that. Yeah, yeah. And in here, you you say that it, this wasn't in the character bible. It's just something you had fun with that you imagined Cater having an alcoholic wife, and that's why he was so het up because he knew that when he would get home his wife would be sozzled in the chair and that's why he was so sort of stickler. Is
1: that, is that, is that what I said?
0: Yeah. Yeah. There's a little bit of, it says, uh, yeah, Witcher says with a twinkle in his eye that uh, Mrs. Cato's always sozzled by the time he gets home. And that's why he's slightly pent up. But I I like. Well, also I
1: always, I always imagined he wouldn't be an easy person to live with just because he was such a stickler for stuff. He would take his work home a lot, probably. Yeah. And, she turned to the bottle. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's the only way I can think about it, really. He was definitely married.
0: Does it please you that 25 years on, people are still enjoying your work from the bill? Oh, yeah.
1: I'd be a to saying no. I mean, I know I've, you know, I talked about, you know, not really curious about watching my performances, but sometimes when you see something from the past and you go, oh, that's okay, or... Funnily enough, you know, I only did two years on the bill, but every now and again, people will go, I know you, don't you? You, what aren't you? And then it'll be, they'll say, What have you done? And you'll say, And they go, That's what it was. It was the bill. It's usually the bill. It's either, it's either Sharp or the bill.
0: Yeah, well, quite right, too, because Sharp is <laughs> what a wonderful creation. He's fantastic, Fredrickson. You yeah, been so fun. well. Oh, yeah, yeah. Just joyous. Yeah. And, and the other one that gets me, which I enjoyed in your showroom, really. you're waking me dead. That's a phenomenal performance. Yeah, you know,
1: I went for that. And I remember coming back to Sally and thinking and saying to Sally, I've got to get this job. Such a cracking character, such an evil piece of work. And I got it. Yeah. And I was really pleased. And I had a great time doing that. When you, really, when you feel like you're kind of right in the middle of the center of a character, and <laughs> rather worrying but I mean <laughs> the kind of character he was but I just knew who that person was and I think that whole idea of what you were saying about stillness and dead behind the eyes looks I just knew I could do that and it was good fun yeah good fun and well written as well
0: oh um, well well acted <laughs> and how about the future what, what's the dream project you haven't done yet, but you'd love to do either something you've written or something you'd love to play or star in?
1: You know what? I don't really, I just want to keep working really. Um, if I'm honest and if, you know, nice, you know, I had a great time doing of Lou. I had a great experience doing Peterloo Lou because uh, Mike's such a unique kind of filmmaker. Uh, and, you know, there's lots of positives and negatives about working with Mike. The moment to moment the kind of what's created moment to moment I think it's terrific and I I love doing that I I don't know you know if, if I can keep doing theatre and keep I just can keep working and getting offered nice parts you know I'm I'm I keep writing and you know w- what I'd really like is this show I'm because it's also to do with what you're doing at the moment the show I'm doing I'd love it to be obviously get a commission or I would like you know, our our work that Sal and I do, just to carry on and develop. Because you're not only creating work for yourself, you're creating work for people around you. And I think one of the joys for me as a writer has always been There's like, you know, I remember writing this play at Nottingham Playhouse, and it was the first time ever there was about 13 in the cast, and I remember thinking, all those people are here because of something I've written. So they've all got work and it's all come from, I mean, I've been, I've been commissioned to do it, but at the same time, to doing my piece of work. And, and I love that. I love the idea of, because I love the idea of ensemble and I love the idea of creating new work. I've always loved that. So I really want to keep, if, if somebody said to me, what do you want to do? I said, just keep creating new work.
0: Yeah,
1: that's Very happy lovely. That. Yeah. Oh.
0: Well, there'll be a lot of people very happy uh, <laughs> go out on Christmas Day, a Christmas Day surprise. This will be okay. hitting people's SoundCloud feeds. So um, on Christmas Day, what, what will you be doing and what is your Christmas Day message to Bill fans who will all be jumping with glee today that you uh, have done this?
1: Well, my, my message to Bill fans from the bald-headed bastards on <laughs> Barton Street <laughs> would be keep watching because it's given you pleasure. It's given me pleasure doing it. And I'm sure it will will continue to do that. But I will be at home with my wife and Sally and my two kids, Izzy and Matt and his girlfriend. And and hopefully we'll just have a nice peaceful day and toast friends, absence and with us, you know.
0: (laughs) Well, we we shall all be toasting you too. Philip Whitchurch. what a legend. Thank you so much for doing Thank this. You. Oh, no, you're fantastic and you're a wonderful actor. Keep, keep doing what you do, sir, and I'll, oh, I'll be watching.
1: As long as people keep employing me, I will.
0: <laughs> well, we're lucky. Right, Thank you so seat. much, Philip.
1: I'm really grateful. Thank you. Thank you. It was lovely. Lovely meeting you.
0: Hello, this is Ben Payton and you have been listening to The Bill Podcast. Produced and presented by Oliver Crocker. Co-produced by James Ledane, Alex Mockler and Tasha Paul. Executive produced by Chris Booth, Daniel Christopher, Andrew Dyak, Paul Dunn, George Fairbrother, Luke Hegarty, Benjamin Hughes, Edward Kellett, Jen Morris, Stuart Morris, Justin Pitt, Tom Sherrington, Patrick Stratford and Sarah Wendt. The Bill Podcast is brought to you in association with author George Fairbrother and Misty Moon Events. You can find out more about both by visiting georgefairbrother.com and mistymoonfilmsociety.com. Oh, and if you like films and you would like to read my reviews, please visit foryourfilmsonly.com.